As God has revealed Himself to us in and through the feast, we know that we are under an open heaven during this season of the year. But the great thing about with Christ coming and fulfilling all and uh, prophetically fulfilling everything that God has said, that we know in Christ we have a perpetual open heaven that anytime two or more of us gather together in His name, He's in the midst of us, we have His holy divine presence. Amen? Amen. Well, welcome tonight. I'm so glad you're here as we are moving through uh, from Rosh Hashanah, moving to Yom Kippur. And uh, the kids, they, they joke me so much. We were in the home and in the living room just laughing and, and kind of making fun of each other in a good way. And they said, I think Morgan said, Daddy, he's like a candy a kid at Christmas time. Uh, or a kid with a bunch of candy when it comes to the feast. He just gets all giddy and excited. And I said, well, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. She said, I know, I love it, I love it. So if I seem a little over uh, excited, I just love that this is something man didn't come up with. There's enough junk that man has come up with, and uh, we've tried to uh, incorporate in our lives and society and culture and things like that. But there are some things that God gave us. And he said, this is how I want it. And I just love God. And I love doing anything that pleases him and brings glory and honor to him. So, so as we open up tonight, uh, I just want to give uh, first honor and, and uh, praise uh, to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Because without him, we have, we have no hope. We have no future. We have no life. Without him, we wouldn't be here today to celebrate this transition as we've just moved from the year 5779 to 5780 according to God's calendar. Uh, this Rosh Hashanah was just last Sunday at sunset, ushered in this new year that we're in, and today we're on that third day of the ten days of all that are leading up to the Feast of Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, which will be next Wednesday at sunset. As we gather here, we will be in Yom Kippur at that time. Uh, some people say, do you have to recognize these feasts? Do you have to give them attention? I say, do we get, it's not that we have to, we get to, amen? Uh, just like it, Resurrection Sunday or Easter every year comes around, we don't have to, but we get to celebrate the, our risen Lord, amen? We get to celebrate what He has done for us and going to Calvary and shedding His blood, being raised from the dead. Uh, you know, Christmas time, do you have to celebrate Christmas? No. But we get to celebrate a time of the year we've set aside that we recognize God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son that we who would place our faith and believe in Him should not perish. But mankind has a hope now of, of deliverance and salvation in and through our Savior Jesus Christ. So I just want to give Him glory and honor and praise as we come together to study His Word tonight and see where we're at on His calendar and what God, I believe, uh, has a word for us in this day. And I just pray your hearts would be open. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just come before you now. We ask you now by the power and presence of your Holy Spirit that you would bring revelation of your Word to us, illumine our hearts and our mind. Lord God, that we would be able to see and hear and understand and make a commitment to honor your word as we pray that you would fill us with your spirit, fill us with your knowledge, fill us with your wisdom, fill us with your love. Lord, that we can be truly blessed and changed by being here to in your house on this evening. To you be the glory, the praise, and the honor. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen, Amen. Thank you so much. 
Well, you know, I've got to put you my, my feast up here uh, because, as the kid says, this is my Christmas. Praise the Lord. And thank God that God had a plan for us. We were not just here and messed up in the garden and God said, oops, y'all messed up. I don't have a backup plan. You're doomed and destined for uh, separation from me for eternity because the wages of sin is death. But God had a plan, a gift of eternal life. And all of that is seen in these feasts. Those four spring feasts that have been fulfilled already in Jesus' first coming where Passover and, and unleavened bread and first fruits and then Pentecost all brings us to the place of the church age. And that's where we are tonight. We are in the church age. We're celebrating all that Christ has provided for us. And we're also excited about everything that God has yet planned because there will be a rapture of the church and there will be the second coming of Christ. He came the first time. Uh, he's coming back the second time. Amen. And the Bible, just as everything in the Old Testament has been fulfilled to the letter through Christ, uh, bringing us up to this age, we see that everything that is yet prophetically given will be fulfilled to the letter by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God has a plan. So here we are in, uh, what, the third day of the ten days of all. You see this here, the days of all, the times of Jacob's trouble there. Uh, between uh, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. It's a day when the uh, Israelites would be definitely fasting and praying. And if you look, I think even on the news, they've got all around the Wailing Wall, there's thousands of thousands, if not tens of thousands, that have gathered there now as they're praying and repenting. They're repenting before God. Uh, uh, the sad thing is, for those who don't know Christ, uh, that repentance is not yet, it, it cannot be experienced as we who see the Savior who came and shed sinless blood to pay off our sinful account. That we can truly be forgiven. That we can be justified just as though we've never sinned after we repent before the Lord. What a wondrous, glorious opportunity that is for us who actually uh, treasure the value of that which Christ has brought for us. So, so during this, these 10 days of all, it's a day for repentance, a day for realignment, and a day for refocus. So as we're in that season, I want us tonight to, to have a heart of repentance and a heart and a mind to be realigned and make sure that we're going in the right direction in this new year that we just entered into and refocus so that we can truly hit the mark of that which God has called us. So uh, I'm just going to share with you a very basic message of my life. This is my life, uh, wisdom nuggets that I live by. And, uh, and, and for me, I can't make them complicated because if I make them complicated, then I'll get all mixed up during the year and sidetracked. I just, I just have to take it basic as that which the Spirit gave me. So I want us to look at some wisdom nuggets to live by as we are now walking into this new year. We're during these 10 days of awe and 10 days of repentance and, and realignment and refocus as we come up to Yom Kippur and celebrating uh, not only the atonement that we have in Christ, but the second coming of Jesus, that he is going to come back. And we who've been raptured with him will be coming back with him, the Bible says, uh, so uh, we can be a part of the millennial reign of Christ and all throughout eternity. We're not going to float on clouds. We'll be doing things for the King of kings and the Lord of lords throughout eternity. And I'm excited about that. So here's some nuggets of wisdom to live by. The first one, 
uh, I have to deal with because it paralyzes me if I don't. It is the number one tool the enemy will use to keep me silent, to keep me locked away, to keep me from not stepping up and doing what God has called me to do, and that is fear. So you've got to face your fears. You've got to face your fears. Because let me tell you what, the Bible, if you read it, is full of fear nots. I'm telling you, you can actually do a whole sermon on the fear nots that are, that are in the Bible. Because it says, over and over, he says, fear not. When faced with war, God said, fear not. When faced with lack, he came in and said, fear not. When faced with sickness, Jesus said, fear not. When faced with opposition, Jesus said, fear not. When met with threat, you had an angel come and said, God said, fear not. When, when even met with an angel, and the angel came and said, wait a minute, I'm sent by God, fear not. When met with loss, fear not. God tells us over and over throughout the Word that we are not to fear. He says in Isaiah 41 and 10, and that's my life verse. I'm telling you, I got saved through this verse here. This is the verse that gave me the revelation of the reality of who God is. And I pray well to you as well. But he says, fear not, for I am with you. This is God talking to us. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. And I will strengthen you. Somebody may need strength tonight. God says, I'll strengthen you. You can receive it from Him right now. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand, saith the Lord. So fear not. God is calling us to live a life, not to be afraid. So as we are just stepping into and days into 5780, this year that God has given to us, let us go into it without fear. Let us fear not because we know God is with us. Let us cast aside fear because we know God is our God. He is a faithful God. He is a good God. He said, I'll strengthen you. If you're going to be faced with challenges this year, guess what? God says, I've got the strength to get you through it. I've got the help to get you through it. I've got the support to get you through it. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. He didn't just say a right hand. He said, my hand is called victorious. My hand is called. So when I reach in, the victory is already done. So the victory is already yours. Hallelujah. He says, I am your God. I am above you. I am over you with my mighty hand. I am beneath you. I am lifting you up. I am beside you. I will help you from whatever angle you need help. I will help you, saith the Lord. Thank God, as we go into this new year, as we're taking these first days, we must do what God has called us to do. Each and every one of us have an assignment from God. You say, well, I hadn't figured mine out. Well, I hadn't figured mine out yet. I'm learning day by day. He said, his word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So I'm just, he's given it, he's given it to me step by step. And you know what? That's how we're to follow the Lord, step by step. But you won't take the next step if fear comes in. That spirit of fear will paralyze you. And you must say, no, for me to live is Christ and for me to die is gain. I'm not going to stand back. I'm not going to sit back. I'm going to move forward. In this year 5780, I'm going to accomplish everything God has so destined for me to accomplish. I'm, how am I going to do it? Step by step, without fear, I'm going to keep moving forward. Because let me tell you what, the enemy knows that the number one tactic he can use is to bring a spirit of fear into the people of God, will paralyze them, will hush them, will silence them, will give them a false sense of humility, and they'll bow out they're looking like they're just being all humble, but it's really based in fear. I mean, this isn't anything new. 
there was a young pastor in Ephesus, and his name was Timothy, and, and the Apostle Paul writes to him. The Holy Spirit instructs Paul to give a letter to write to this young pastor to encourage him. And the first letter he wrote to Timothy is, don't let them despise you because you're young. Don't you let fear rise up because you don't have the years in or the experience that some people would say, here you are a, a young pastor and you lack uh, the self-confidence, but the enemy will take that and try and silence you. So Paul says, you've been anointed by God. The wisdom you have is not wisdom that comes with years, it's wisdom that comes from the Creator. The power that you have is not something you build up in the gymnasium, but it's something that the Holy Ghost has given to you. The strength that you have in networks is not the people you know, but the God that you serve. So Timothy, do not back down. God wants to use you even in your youth. Do not be afraid. And then he writes him in the second letter he writes to Timothy and he tells him, and he's reminding him about this because undoubtedly the spirit of fear is still trying to keep this young pastor from being all that God created him to be. And he tells him in 2 Timothy 1 and 7, for God did not give us the spirit of fear. That spirit of fear you have is not from God, it's demonic. So he's calling it out. Timothy, get rid of it. Get rid of it. Don't allow it to have a, a rule and reign in your life. For that, God didn't give us the spirit of fear, but what God has given you is He has given you power. He has given you dunamis. And what He's telling Timothy, He's telling you tonight as well. You have Holy Ghost dynamite power available to you. And you have love that flows from the heart of God in you to flow through you. And you have a disciplined mind, self-control, that you can do what God has called you to do. You can say yes to God and no to the devil. you got to face your fear and say, wait a minute, this year I'm going to serve God and I'm going to honor God and I'm going to fulfill my divine assignment. Your divine assignment is not just necessarily a little project you're doing at work or a project you're doing at school. Let me tell you what, God's got a bigger picture. And step by step, if you'll follow Him and not allow the spirit of fear to hold you by, you will fulfill your divine assignment in this year. Because when we trust Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, let me tell you, tell you what, the Holy Spirit takes up residence within us, hallelujah, and He provides continuous strength and continuous wisdom and a continuous flow of comfort that we need to stand against all the fears that the enemy will try to bring against you. I know as we age, the devil tries to bring in fear that you're not going to be able to do this. You're not going to have the strength. You're not going to have the health. You're not going to have the wealth. When you're young, he tells you, you don't have the strength. You don't have the wisdom and you don't have the wealth. He doesn't. He's, he's kind of boring. You know, he kind of comes up with the same junk wherever we're at in the chronos of time. But this kairos of time, as we come during the celebration of these feasts, is to remind us to realign, refocus, and get and repent. If you've fallen short, repent. If you've messed up, repent. But get back up and let's keep going to do what God has called us to do. Hallelujah. Max Lucado says, fear doesn't want you to make the journey to the mountain. If fear can rattle you enough, he will persuade you to take your eyes off of the peak and settle for the dull existence in the flatlands. How many of you want to spend your whole life living in the dull existence of the flatlands and missing the peaks and missing the view and missing the adventure of what God really put you here to do? You have so much potential in you. 
But let me tell you what, that potential the enemy is trying to stifle and trying to silence through the spirit of fear. you got to face your fear. you got to stand up and say, fear, you're not going to hold me back. You're not going to shut me up. You're not going to limit me another day in my life. I'm going to do what God's called me to do. Hallelujah. Whether it's going to school or going for a job interview or not having friends that seemingly care about you or getting married or staying married or paying the bills or, or building a business or building a ministry or, or making your life matter, whatever it is, don't let the spirit of fear keep you from taking the next step. Because God said, I didn't give you that spirit of fear. And if it didn't come from God, we know exactly where it came from. Come from the pits of hell. It comes from the heart of Satan. It comes from the one that is accusing the brethren before God. It comes before the one who wants to steal, kill, and destroy your life. So if you let his spirit of fear come in, his goal is to kill you. Or his goal is to steal from you. Or his goal is to destroy you. So if you let him bring his spirit in, guess what? The spirit of fear is going to cause either you to die premature, going to cause you to live in loss, or to live in destruction. Let me tell you what, the devil is a liar. Somebody need to call him out. God's given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and he by no means shall harm you. Your strength and power comes from Jesus Christ. You have the name of Jesus. You have the blood of Jesus. You have the Holy Ghost of God. Oh, church, we are a mighty, mighty fortress, and we need to understand who we are and whose we are. Fear not. Fear not. Hallelujah. It's God's will to move you from fear to confidence. And I pray God would use my words in some way this evening to challenge you to move from the arena of fear to the arena of confidence because you, you are called to live courageously and you are called to live in such a way as you trust in the mighty hand of God that you will know that all of your days will be prosperous as God prospers. Hallelujah. See, God can and God will use your life. You said, well, I know he uses pastor's life. I know he uses sister so-and-so's life, brother so-and-so. God put you here, son or a daughter of the Most High God, a royal priesthood you are, a joint heir of Jesus Christ. That's not just for the pastor. That's not just for some uh, 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 experienced ministry leader. No! It's for every one of us that is breathing oxygen in this place tonight. We are, through Christ, can be sons and daughters of God. And God wants to use your life. But you got to be willing to face your fears. God can put a stamp of, uh, of divine calling on you that is absolutely amazing, and it will fall impotent when you die one day. It'll never, ever, ever have come to fruition if you allow the spirit of fear to dominate in your life. Saying yes to Jesus Christ in this day and age is a very courageous thing. I've never seen a day where there's so much judgment and so much hatred and so much formed thoughts and of attack and words of condemnation that come to those who will boldly say, I am a child of God. I have said yes to Jesus Christ. But let me tell you what, you may, you, you may have to fear uh, the, the being rejected or you may have to fear being stereotyped, but we cannot, we cannot deny our Savior. We cannot deny our Lord. Do you hear what I'm saying? 
We're in a day and an age where there's a subtlety that's getting stronger and bolder and bolder that is saying, you keep your relationship with your God if there is a God in the closet while we bring everything else out of the closet. You shut up, now it's our turn. And I'm here to tell you, the Bible said that these days would come, gave in great detail what they would look like, but he said the redeemed of the Lord is supposed to say so that the redeemed of the Lord is the only hope for the world, that the church is the only thing holding the fullness of the manifest of hell on earth from taking place, and we have a purpose and a plan, and God has given us His Holy Spirit that we might stand in great power and bring forth light in the darkness, but we must not be fearful, for then we would put our light under a bushel. And He tells us not to do that. One of the biggest battles I believe you'll face in, in life is the battle for honesty. Because, and dishonesty is rooted in fear. When people lie, they usually feel like, if I told you the truth, you won't love me. If I told you the truth, you won't think I'm great. If I told you the truth, you may not want to follow me. If I told you the truth, whatever it is, it's based in fear. And uh, so you've got to be bold, face your fears. So I'm going to be a man or a woman of integrity. I'm going to be a man or a woman that, that lives according to the Word of God, even when it hurts. I remember the Lord challenged me one time when I was trying to take an easy way out. And he says, I want you to, he took me to his word in my devotion that morning. And he says, keep your promises even when it hurts. And I was wanting to bail out on a revival that was going seemingly south because the pastor and his son had gotten into some big fight the night before and they had police cars over and everything. And I'm like, these people are crazy. I got to get out of here. And God ain't going to pour out no spirit of revival in this craziness. And that morning, all of my reckon were in jail or doing bailing or what, bailing out or whatever. And I was there by myself and I said, it's my time to get out of here. I went and said, Brother Jones! Sister Jones! They didn't. Yes, I looked out there, was no vehicles. I said, I am out of here. And I packed my bags. God said, You'll all, you said you would always spend time with me before you would go into the day. And I said, oh God. What if they we'll do a quick one? We'll do a quick one. And uh, you know, I had my quick one is a proverb a day. There's 31 proverbs. I do a pro, the proverb that aligns up with the day. And I, and I got to that proverb and I looked there and it says, you know, a godly man is a man that will keep his promise even when it hurts. I said, no. <laughs> so I took my bags and I went back into that little bedroom. It was a trailer. So I just went in that little back bedroom and I said, Lord, I'm here. And then, and then tell you what, we had some of the greatest miracles and souls saved that I've ever seen in any revival service as I've ever done. So in the midst of what Satan was doing, God had a plan. God had a plan. So, so you got to stand strong and face your fear. Uh, there was a rancher that asked a vet, veterinarian, uh, he said, would you give me some free advice? And the vet said, yeah, yeah, what is it? He said, well, I have this horse. And there's days he walks normal and there's days he limps. What do you think I should do? And the veterinarian replied, well, next time he walks normal, sell him. That is not a man of integrity. Okay, some days the car cranks and some days it doesn't. Next time it cranks, sell it, you know. So we want to be people of integrity. Face the fear. Face the fear. It seems that dishonesty is just the norm in the day that we live in. And it takes courage to be honest. It takes courage not to cheat. It takes courage to own up to a mistake you've made. Face your fear. 
Face it, I tell you, God, will, His hand, His mighty right hand will be there and great power to assist you if you will confront the spirit of fear. There was this test that was conducted by a university. They took 10 students in a room and they said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to draw three lines on a paper. Varying lengths these lines will be. And, uh, and, and you got to, your test is to tell us which is the, you know, the longest line. And, uh, but here, they took nine of the students. They said, here's what we're going to do. Uh, before, you know, be, when we get together in that room over there, we want, when we say, uh, when we point to the longest line, uh, we want you to all raise your hand and say, we agree that's the longest line. The tenth one they didn't tell this to because that was part of the test. So when they all got in there, they let this one student, the stooge, you know, they all ten got in there and they uh, said, okay, uh, when I point to the longest line, everybody raise your hand. So they pointed to this line, which we do the test here. When I point to the longest line, raise your hand. Okay, some of you feel like, okay, some... Okay, there's no trick to this, okay? It's just the truth. I'm not a magician, okay? And that guy raised his hand, and he looks around, and not any of the other nine raised their hand. Y'all, you, some of y'all acting nervous. I said, face your fears. Be bold. I said, I point to the longest line. Be bold. So, yeah, that's the longest line, and you're not going to make me look foolish in here. Well, one raised his hand, the others didn't. So then the teacher pointed to the second line, and then the other nine raised their hand. So the guy that had his hand up and dropped it now raises his hand with a big smile on his face. 75% of the time, out of every time they did that test, three out of four times that the stooge or that one that didn't, wasn't in on it would go along with the crowd. I'm telling you, we've got this thing where a spirit of fear will keep us from standing up with what's right when it's plain right there before us. It's right. This is righteous. This is right. But we won't stand up for it because we're afraid because the majority is not standing up for it. Who then is going to usher in the light of heaven? Who then is going to bring... The truth shall set us free. So now everybody's going to live in bondage and the children of God who know the truth won't stand for the truth, won't speak up for the truth because of a spirit of fear and that truth can't set anybody free. So now everybody's in bondage, even the ones who know the truth, but because of a spirit of fear, they go in bondage with everyone else. You study the life of Israel and the cycle of their history, that is exactly what happened over and over and over. There were good men and good women, righteous men and righteous women that would go right along with the majority because they had a fear because they thought they were in the minority. Even when you're in the minority, you've got to do what's right. You've got to do it God's way. Do it God's way, you will have God's hand on your life. Do it God's way, you will have God's power. Do it God's way and where it looks like you're going to lose because you're doing it the right way, God will cause that which is the end to be the beginning, that which is the tail to be the head. He can turn it. He can turn it just like that. Just stick with God. Do it God's way. Amen? Amen. Don't take your cues from the crowd. Don't take your cues from Facebook. Don't take your cues from the news. 
You say, well, this good news is good, this news is bad. Let me tell you why. You've got to be careful. You've got to get into this word and be close to the Spirit of God because there's a great deceiver. Someone recently contacted me and said, well, you know, I've got this Wiccan friend that uh, uh, wants to be a friend of mine. And, and they, they, you know, and I, what do you think I should do? And I said, uh, you know, I, my question is, you know, what's the, are they wanting to come to Christ and they're asking you about Jesus? And they're like, no, no, no. They, they, they say they don't worship the devil, but they're Wiccans and they want to be my friend. They want us to start hanging out together. And I said, uh, I just would remind you that there was Adam and Eve who talked to the most beautiful animal in the garden. And once they entered into that conversation, they didn't realize that the deceitfulness and the, and the trickery was of such power that th that spirit that was behind it had also caused a third of the angels to turn against God in a perfect heaven. They were in a sinless environment and this angel, this archangel, he was able to get a third of the angels to come with him. They're kicked out of heaven and these become the demons. So I'm, I'm telling you, that spirit, I'm not telling you that person is a, you know, a demon, but the spirit they have yielded to. Now, if they want to get delivered, that's a whole different thing. But if they just said, no, you believe what you believe, and I believe what we believe, come and I'll even show you what I believe is not that harmful. You don't want to enter into that conversation. Because that, that, deceit, that deception is so learned, so wise, that your, what, 40, 50 years, 60 years of living compared to the millennium that he has lived in his created nature and seen what he has seen, let me tell you what, he'll out-talk you every time. So, you got to be careful. They said, thank you so much. I didn't think of it that way. So you don't take your cues from the crowd because the crowd may, may be submitted to that, that spirit, that spirit of fear, that spirit that comes from Satan, from Lucifer, and you don't want your life to be now mandated and controlled by what their, that demon spirit flowing through their willingness into your life. I'm here to assure you that God wants you to be more successful than you want to be. God wants you to be healthier than you want to be. God wants you to be more blessed than you want to be. God, and just stick with His plan, and, and let me tell you what, His ways, you stick with them, you'll never regret it. This is nuggets I live by. I say, I'm going to live with God, I'm going to walk with God, I'm going to talk with God, I'm going to honor God. What I do, does it honor God? What I do, does it glorify him does it expand his kingdom if it doesn't i don't want anything to do with it and you say well you won't be successful but let me tell you what i'm not depending on your opinion i'm depending on that mighty right hand of god that he and i've seen it reach into my life that mighty right hand of god is powerful that mighty hand of right hand of god will provide hallelujah Another nugget of wisdom to live by is forget your failures forget your failures the Apostle Paul was in prison. He's chained to a Roman guard and under what was probably some of the poorest conditions he's ever been in in his life. And there he wrote in Philippians 3, 12 through 14, not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I'm going to press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of for me. Brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those which are behind me, forgetting those things which are behind me, and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. 
Here's Paul making two implications in his statement here. He says, I, I refuse to allow my failures uh, to become destructive in my life. I'm letting that go because, because you know what? There was a day of atonement. There was a day that the Son of God came, shed His blood to atone for our sins. Hallelujah. That our sin, though it's scarlet and red as crimson, can be white and pure as wool, the Bible says. White as snow, pure as wool. Paul says, I'm taking hold of that. Yes, I've made mistakes in my past, but I put it under the blood of Jesus. I repent. I've asked God to forgive me. And that mess is not going to hold me back. It's not going to hold me down. Every one of us have sinned. Every one of us in here, we've fallen short of the glory of God. But I'm telling you, the wages of sin is death, separation from God, and for you to be booted into hell for eternity. But God said, that's not my plan for you. My plan for you is a gift. A gift of grace, amazing grace out of my love that I'll give you my son. Jesus says, I'll give you my life. The Holy Spirit says, I'll be with him. Hallelujah. To give a way out of our sin through the blood of Jesus. So during these 10 days of all of repentance, you don't need to, it's to remind us, you don't need to be walking under the condemnation of the past. The enemy wants you to be timid and feel like you're disqualified because you've made a mistake in the past. We've all missed the mark in one place or another. But I'm telling you what God's saying through Paul here, get up, get it under the blood and get up and begin to press on, press on to what God has called you to do. So here he refuses to allow his failures to become destructive in his life and he refu refuses to allow his failures to weigh him down in the journey that yet God has before him. I pray you would do the same thing. And his secret was he put his past behind him under the blood of Jesus, paid in full. And, and, that, and, and God is no respecter of persons. What God offered to Paul, he offers to every one of us that our lives can be stamped, paid in full by the blood of Jesus Christ when we come and ask for His forgiveness and surrender to His Lordship. Hallelujah. It was in the midst of World War II that Oxford University was having uh, their commencement exercises and had all the graduates there. And they had asked for the keynote speaker that year to be uh, Prime Minister Churchill, Winston Churchill. And he had accepted and he came there dressed in one of his finest suits. And he arrived in the auditorium where the service was being held. And, and uh, he had his usual props that you've probably seen pictures of. He had his cigar and a cane and a top hat, which he was kind of known for. And uh, he approached the stadium with his cane and he's walking up to it. Uh, the crowd rose in, in uh, respect and appreciation of him being there. There's a great standing ovation and applause. And, and he got to the podium and he's standing there looking very dignified. The crowd finally settled down and as they settled down, he removed his cigar and placed it to the side along with his top hat and he placed it on the, on the top of the podium and, and then he gazed into the crowd waiting and just staring at them until there was an awkward, uncomfortable silence there. And then with that authoritative tone in his voice, he spoke out three words and he said, never give up. That's what he said. Several seconds passed without him saying another word. And finally they said his eyes got even bigger and he looks at them staring into their soul, they said. And he spoke these three words again. Never give up. 
And there was this deafening silence there and he reached over and took his hat. He put, got his cigar, put his hat on, got his cane and he left the platform. That was it. That was his commencement address. It was finished. And to this day, they say it was one of the shortest commencement speeches ever given, but it's still remembered word by word with its impact even to this day. Now, I know some of you may pray that pastor would get that anointing on him. And when it comes, I'll give you my three words. But until then, I'll give you my three points. And the third point is focus your faith. You got to focus your faith as we go forward in this new year. Now, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, we also, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And as we're running this race, look at what verse 2 says. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is sat down at what? The right hand of the throne of God. So we got to cast off all this stuff, the sin, cast it off, everything that trips us up, and we got to focus on Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. We have to focus our faith on Jesus. Hallelujah. See, the book of Hebrews was written to Christians who were struggling in their faith. Man, were they struggling. There was so much uh, opposition. There was so much uh, torture. There was so much uh, 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 evil stuff coming against them that many of them were wavering in their devotion to Christ because of the hard times that they were going through. And they, they were finding themselves attacked from the right and the left. And, and, and they would walk in ambushes and things would come up behind them. And, and they said, you know what? There was this fear that was saying, it's not worth serving God. It's not worth it. You're going to lose your life. Your family's going to lose your life. And here the Holy Ghost has a writer in the book of Hebrews here encouraged the saints to not give up. Don't give up. Explaining to them in the book of Hebrews a whole a, a chapter, a whole of chapter uh, with the fame of those that had not given up before, who had lived victorious and lived and held on to God no matter what was coming in and through their lives. And this picture is drawn of runners that are uh, that that need their reference point to focus on while they're running the race. Uh, in order to reach your mark, you got to focus. On that, I'm telling you, there's power in focus. There's power in focus. I saw something even today, and I want to share it with you. I'm going to put that video up there really quickly, if you will. And uh, I want to draw, some, draw your attention to something here. Do y'all have that video available? There we go. Now, I want y'all to just look at this. Anybody feel like that's your life? Look what she did. 
Now, if you would go back to the front of that again, and let me just give you a little of my commentary. Now, that we want to celebrate on because, and just hold it there, hold it there, if you could pause it. Thank you. There you go. Okay. It looks like the dad came in and rescued everything by helping her. You keep the lights down because we're going to just look at it again. Uh, we're going to, oh, I know y'all are saying we got to see you. Okay, I understand. <laughs> but thank you for that because I'm just going to say a few words and then we're going to go right back to it. Uh, you saw what you saw and then it looks like the dad comes in and helps her focus and encourages her and then she does it. But what I saw was beyond this, and the Holy Spirit was speaking to me this. He says, the whole thing, the whole reason, she could have done the first time what she did at last if her focus had been lifted up to be on top of that, that stand. Now look at where she's looking. And then even look where the dad points to. And finally, she did barely get to that. But look where they're focusing at. Whereas she didn't want to be on that edge. She wanted to be on top of it. But she was focused on the edge and kept hitting where she was focused. Let it play again. Now look at her eyes when she comes back. Look where she's looking. Look at where she's looking. See her head looking down at that corner. Now dad's going to come in. And now look where he touches. Look where he touches the fan. He's there again. He's got her focused. That's not the right place to be focusing. So she finally gets to that little mark and gets her balance to get her forward. Watch here. And it looks like a great victory. But I'm telling you what, you can stop that and go back to my notes now. Thank you so much, guys, for being so versatile up there. But what the Lord showed me is we don't have to go through our whole life just missing the mark and missing the mark and missing the mark and missing the mark and missing the mark. And maybe some good soul comes in and encourages us, you know, hit it here on the edge, hit it here on the edge. And then finally we buy a balance, we get there and, and, and it looks, that's, God wants you to live an abundant life. That was just getting in there. God said abundantly, abundantly. Things you've not even imagined or thought or have entered into your heart He wants to do for you, and, but it takes a focus. So instead of looking at the edge and getting on the edge of the thing, if you're wanting to be standing on top of it, look up there. And I, and I learned that when I, I w uh, used to uh, take karate years ago. And, uh, and a little guy could knock a big guy down when, we, when he learned the focus. Most people, if they're boxing or whatever, if they're not trained right, they'll just hit, the, they'll focus on the surface of their object. And they'll just hit the surface and it makes a slapping sound and it may sound good, may look good, may have good form, but it has no power, has no real impact. You can actually hit somebody like that and they'll look at you like, you just made me mad, okay? But if you'll focus through them, that I'm not going to hit you here, I'm going to, I'm going to hit you uh, through the back of your head. So now, instead of just reaching in and slapping them, you're reaching through them, you'll knock them across the room, and I'm not teaching you how to fight, I'm teaching you how to focus. I'm teaching you how to focus. So I want you, Paul says, that you've got to set your gaze on the mark of the high calling, which is in Christ. Not the low calling, not the small, but the high calling. There, there's so much more in you. 
There's so much potential in you. You were created by God. You're not junk. You are not mixed-matched parts that were left over at Fred Sanford's junkyard and Lamont put you together and Esther put you in a church auction and auctioned you off. No, you are created by God. You don't have off-brand parts in you. You don't have second-hand parts in you. Some of you say, well, I do in the hip. And the, you know, you know, you know, God has created you to fulfill the purpose that He has for you. So you've got to set your gaze on the mark of the high calling, which is in Christ Jesus. I don't want to see you trying to jump to that next level that God has for your whole life, falling and falling. I felt sorry for the little girl. Like, man, that hurt, that hurt. But she just kept trying and trying. I admire her, her willingness to keep pressing in. But she was looking at the edge of it. Her dad or coach was touching. That's where to jump to. And that's why she, you jump above it. Because she had within her the first time the ability to jump on top of that. Actually, she was better prepared the first jump than she was that 20th jump. Because we know our bodies get tired as we expend energy, right? So think about it. That young girl had the ability, her greatest ability was in the first jump while she was rested up. She had the same muscles. She had everything that she needed to get there. But because of her focus, what she was looking at, she kept hitting that, which was not putting her over the top, it was putting her on the edge. And I want to help you lift up your vision, lift up your focus, and look at what God has put you here to do. Look at what God has destined for you. Look at what God desires for you. And it's to make an impact like you can only imagine. And it is going to be amazing. But you got to see it. you got to look unto it. So you must focus your faith. Hallelujah. Focus determines your destination. If you're in the middle of nowhere and you have no idea where you're at, the first thing you want to do is try to find your direction. Which way is north? I grew up in the woods of Santee Swamp hunting coons, raccoons. Can you believe it? I didn't choose any of this. Y'all look back on me and say, that was a crazy... Pr I just grew up in this, okay? And uh, I'd be out there by myself with some old work-together, cheap, tied-up, electrical tape, uh, la little flashlight that uh, always broke on me and I'm out there and I'm like and I don't have a compass or anything all by myself with all those dogs and and doing this hunting and I'd say I had to learn to read the stars and I had to find out how to find my true north and I could mark where we I would go in the woods and uh, my dad was supposed to sit in the truck he had a disability uh, so he couldn't physically run through the woods so he would supposedly sit in the truck and uh, blow the horn when I would call to come out well, he would get cold as I was cold. He was dry, and I'm going through the swamp, I'm wet. But he would get colder, undoubtedly, than me, and he would turn the vehicle on, which had loud mufflers, so he couldn't hear me. And he's got the heat blowing, and he's got his uh, Conway Twitty playing, or whatever his country music was playing, and George Jones, or whatever it was, and, and he doesn't hear me. So I learned that Dad will be there to give me a ride, when I come out of the woods, but he's not going to be any help to, to blow the horn to get me out of here. So I had to learn to find that God is set up in the heavens that we can find true north. We can know where the north is and you can make your navigation from there. 
Uh, uh, the illustration of that, one day six of the ill-fated mission on Apollo 13, these astronauts, they needed to make this critical course change and uh, if they failed, they were going to stay in outer space forever, never return to the earth. But to conserve power, which they had a limited amount, they had shut down their engines uh, on board and, uh, for steering the craft. So they, they had this 38-second burn. They were going to light the engines, and they were going to have to, for 38 seconds, they had enough energy, and they were going to turn uh, the Apollo there, uh, hope to get it on the right course. So the question was, how are they going to steer it? And, and astronaut Jim Lavelle uh, determined that if they could keep a fixed point uh, through the view of the window, uh, they, would, they would manually direct this, this uh, aircraft to try and get it back into Earth's destination. And if any of you ever watched that, I think it was 95's hit movie, Apollo 13, uh, you, you, know, you, you, you go through those agonizing 39 seconds in the movie. But Captain, Captain Lavelle, he focused on keeping the Earth in view. That was his point of reference. He said, if I can keep the earth in the viewpoint of in this window here, that's going to keep us in the direction of the earth. We can't lose that reference point. And we know they safely did make it back here. Well, let me tell you what. Earth, as great as it is, it's created by God. It is uh, uh, to be given unto the sons of God, okay, and the daughters of God. Let me tell you what. Let me tell you what. There's a greater focus that we have to have, and that's Jesus Christ. And in Hebrews 12 and 2, we looked at that. Fix your eyes on Jesus, for he's the author and the finisher of your faith. So if you're going to focus your faith, you've got to fix your eyes on Jesus, because he's the author and the finisher of your faith. For Christians, our reference point has to be Jesus Christ. Everything in our life can be flexible until it comes in violation with our relationship with Jesus Christ. He is our true north. He is our savior. His teachings is what we live by and we don't budge from them so that we can arrive at our destination. And we have to stay focused. Remove the obstacles. Don't tolerate double-mindedness. The Bible speaks against double-mindedness. It tells us that double-mindedness is not of God. A double-minded person is constantly swinging between uh, conflicting choices that are going on all in their mind. And, 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 and let me tell you what, there, you lose focus. When I was a young boy, like I said, I lived outside most of my life, didn't wear shoes all summer long, and only when school came back in. And I had a magnifying glass. I love my magnifying glass. And I could take leaves, and I could take my magnifying glass, and I could get it with the sun shining, focus the rays of the sun through that magnifying glass, and I could start a fire. Now, I don't encourage any children who are listening to me to don't do that without parental supervision. When you grow up on a farm like I did, you were trained in safety because you burnt fields and you did that stuff as part of the process of getting ready for, for planting. So I had a little more uh, training in that than, than any other kid. But you could take a magnifying glass and you could focus the power of the sun and it would light those leaves on fire. I, I learned that power... That, that the same light that is scattered, when it's scattered, you can be in it and it doesn't hurt you. The Bible tells us that the power of focus is that which we need in our lives. In, in Luke 11.34, Jesus said, The light of the body is the eye. Therefore, with thine eye, when thy eye is single, thy whole body also is full of light. But when thine eye is evil, uh, thy body is also full of darkness. So, so by talking about this need of singleness of vision, 
Jesus is advocating the power of focus. That when you're single-minded, you're focused. But when you're double-minded, you're what? Unstable in all of your ways, the Bible says. You can take the sunlight versus a laser light. Just, just an example. Okay, look at the sun. The sun, anybody agree? Everybody agree. The sun's a powerful source of energy, right? Every hour, the sun washes the earth with billions of kilowatts of energy. And the temperature of the outer part of the sun, uh, the visible part that we look at, is nearly 5,500 degrees Celsius, which is like 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Can you imagine? 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Now, with some sunblock on, we can go and out in the sun one or two hours, three hours without any problem. Here's this 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit, and, and we can be out in the sun and not die. But on the other hand, a laser is relatively a weaker source of energy. Uh, it, you know, it only takes a few watts of energy in a laser, but focus it, and it can cut through a steel beam. It can cut a diamond. It can, it can cut a, right through the hardest substances, even though it has a minimal number of kilowatts of power compared to the sun, but because it's focused, it is razor sharp. Focus has tremendous power. As we go into this new year, let us get focused on Jesus. Let us get focused on His teachings. Let us get focused on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Let us be in focus on being led by the Spirit. This is so very important because Jesus said, we are the light of the world. A city set upon a hill that cannot be hidden. So let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We have a purpose to let the light of God shine out of our lives and it will never happen if we don't get focused. Focus brings the energy and the power that is needed into the direction that it needs to go. I say this, you will not experience success in your life if you focus on anything other than Jesus Christ. You might have some successes, but let me tell you what, the Bible talks about there is an advancement that can come with sorrow. But there's blessings that come from God without sorrow. And you got to be focused on Jesus to have those. Brethren, Paul says in Philippians 3, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul says, I take the energy every bit of energy that I could muster, and I focus my purpose that God has on my life in doing that which Jesus Christ has called me to do. And let me tell you what, Paul is written up in the Scriptures and has written many of the Scriptures because of that. So my encouragement to you tonight, as we wrap this up, is to keep your relationship with Jesus Christ priority. Priority. Yes, these are the days of all, a time for us to repent, a time for realignment, and a time to refocus. Let us repent of everything that we've done that's missed the mark. Let us repent every thought, every action, every deed, everything we failed to do that we should have do. Get it under the blood. Cast it under the blood. Let the redeeming hand and the redeeming work of Christ wash you, cleanse you, renew you, restore you. But don't stay there. Get realigned and refocus. Jesus, 
I'm going to rise up from this altar of prayer, this altar of repentance. I'm going to rise up focused on you. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to honor you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to lead as many people as I can to you in this year. Keep your relationship with Jesus Christ priority and continue to draw wisdom from God's Holy Spirit in every area of your life. And stay connected. Let this be a year where your focus is to be connected to your church. I'm preaching to the choir. I'm a Wednesday night crowd. You're here. But let me tell you what, the devil will try to distract you. Keep your focus on the house of God and corporately worshiping Him. Because your greatest challenge is to focus your faith following Jesus all the way. The enemy is attacking that. The enemy is wanting to distract you. So here's my nuggets to live by. The wisdom I, that God has used to help me, and I pray help you, is face your fears. Forget your failures. Repent. Get them under the blood of Jesus. And focus your faith. And let's rise up and make 5780 one of the best years we've ever lived for the glory of God. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's the word. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me, please? Yes. Lord, in this closing prayer, we just open this altar during these 10 days of awe when you're calling us to a time of repentance, a time to recognize any weight, anything that is hindering us, any sin that is holding us back, and to spend some time with you and get it under the blood to ask for forgiveness and to truly repent and to change our minds and change our hearts so we can rise up and come to you. So Lord, with your blessings, we just open this altar that anyone and everyone that would like to come and close out this service right here, whether kneeling at this altar, we're standing at this altar, whether sitting at this altar, it doesn't matter, but a time where we just come is a sign of repentance. Now, Lord God, we realize that we have missed the mark. We realize that there were things that needed to be said that we didn't say out of a spirit of fear. We failed to do what you called us to do in this past year because of fear. We let fear hold us back from doing things that we knew we were supposed to do. So we've done things that we shouldn't have done and we failed to do things we should have done. But thank you. Thank you that you provide with your amazing grace provision to cleanse us and wash us. There's things, Lord, that and we did that violated your word. We knew it violated your heart. It violated your, your will for our lives. Lord, we, whether out of anger or whether out of uh, frustration or whether out of just total rebellion, we've done things and said things and thought things that we know that were displeasing to you. Thank you for being a forgiving God that we can come to you this night. And Lord God, as we can come and ask for your forgiveness, you're faithful and just to forgive us. Jesus, Jesus, we call on your name. Jesus, Jesus, we call on your name. Hallelujah. Cleanse us. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Cleanse us with your blood. Cleanse us with your word. Sanctify us by your spirit, Lord. Hallelujah. And Lord God, as you've called us to repent, you've also called us to, to re realign ourselves. That if we have in any way got out of alignment, that we come back and say, no, Lord, I want to run this race that you've called me to do. I want to live my life in a way that will advance your kingdom. 
Lord, I want to raise my family. I want to be a part of a family that advances your kingdom. Lord God, I want to have friends and I want to be a friend that advances your kingdom. I want to conduct my affairs at work or my affairs at school or my affairs in the marketplace or my affairs at home in such a way that advances your kingdom, a realignment. Lord God, I want to leave here tonight knowing I'm committed to serving you with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength as I love you. And now refocus. Lord God, we don't want to lift, let our focus be too low. We don't want to let our focus be behind us. We don't want to let our focus be to the right or the left or on a multiple of things. Lord, we want to set our gaze upon the mark of the high calling, which is in Christ Jesus. Jesus, we want to do what you called us to do. Help me see with clarity. Help me see it, Lord, that I can accomplish more this year than I have all the years of my life. Lord, I want, you to, I want to be used by you in the full capacity of your creative order. So I surrender my life to you. Are you surrendered to him this night? Are you totally surrendered to his will and his purpose and his plan and his call for your life? If not, just surrender now. Jesus, I surrender to you. You are my King of kings. You are my Lord of lords. And I will walk up out of this place this night, walking in the way that brings glory and honor to you. You are my true north. You're going to get me out of the woods safely. You're going to get me home safely. You're going to get me to heaven safely. And you're going to lead me every step of the way with the power of your mighty right hand to you be glory and honor and praise. Lord, as we go into the remainder of these days of all, coming unto this day of atonement, Lord, we go with focus, we go with realignment, and we go with a repentant heart to give glory and honor to you this day and every day in Jesus' name.